0: September is Animal Pain Awareness Month, and this week we've got one of the RVT VTSs who started this entire amazing awareness month to tell you what you need to know and how you can best help your veterinary patients. This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. To the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine and pain is a tough topic for all of us and pain awareness month is something that is new to our profession and this week we've got one of the people behind this entire amazing movement but before we get into that moving stuff as always i am one of your co-hosts dr ernie ward
1: and i'm registered veterinary technician becky mosser
0: and becky you know you and i've been involved with lots of different initiatives and, and movements over the over the course of our career i mean obviously you know national pet obesity awareness day and month comes to mind for me but you know Pain is one of those areas that we sometimes overlook as far as like raising awareness. I think sometimes our profession thinks, well, it's obvious they're in pain, but it's really not that simple, is it?
1: No. Um, first of all, I want to say I have not been involved in any month <laughs> initiatives. I, I'm not taking any credit that isn't due. This has nothing to do with me. I have. I think the brilliance behind this, the strength, the energy, the the goal of just doing a lot of good in in passion brought to this subject is unmatched by anybody but this amazing individual.
0: Well, tell us who we're going to be speaking with today. She's a a warm friend of the viewfinders,
1: but who are we got? Yeah, you guys have heard her here before, and if you haven't heard her here, you have read her articles. You have listened to her on endless podcasts all over the podcast spectrum. You've probably even interacted with her online. If you are anywhere near associated with the anesthesia nerds, we have the one and only Tosh McNearney.
2: Yay! Hey, guys. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, Tasha,
0: I want to start off today by, number one, congratulating you. I mean, you have been the major impetus behind this uh, Animal Pain Awareness Month. But let's rewind the tape for those uh, who are listening. Maybe we have a lot of new listeners that aren't as familiar with what you've done. Just bring us through like the Cliff Notes version of your career.
2: Oh, man. Of the career. Wow. That's <laughs> okay. So see, I was seven years old and I oh, saw yeah. Turner and Hooch. I'm just kidding. Um, but, de- but, uh, but definitely shout out to Turner and Hooch for making me want to, uh, to get into veterinary medicine. Are you um, serious? Really? Seriously. The, the like, Tom Hanks I don't know. Movie. Wow. 100%. Have you seen Turner and Hooch? Oh my I gosh. Have. There's like the scene with the veterinarian and he goes over there. It's late at night and the dog. And I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Right, so right. please go watch it. And then. It's interesting to watch it now as a veterinary professional because you're like,
0: get the kids that are in. What are you doing?
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: It's not quite accurate as we'd like. You could have saved
2: Hooch yeah. for sure. <laughs> but, uh, but definitely like when I was a kid, I was like, I could have saved that dog. I'm going to save that dog. That's great. Wow. <laughs> and so, I, that's yeah. Such a so that, that was kind of like the catalyst. And ever since then, uh, I've been kind of on this mission. Um, but specifically talking animal pain awareness month and that inception. I was working at a clinic in Glenside, PA, which, you know, shout out to Row Animal Hospital. I stayed there for uh, 12 years. Fantastic uh, small animal practice here that kind of got me my start and got me all of the knowledge and really introduced me to the concept of becoming a VTS. And I was at the time working with a VTS named Vicki Bayard, who is one of the founders of the Academy of Veterinary Technicians in Dentistry. And if you ever have the chance to hear her speak on dentistry, she's a wealth of information. She's fantastic. But she worked at the same practice. So she was talking to me about, you know, becoming a VTS. I started my gears turning as far as anesthesia and pain management goes because that's where I was interested. She had another technician come in that was observing her and they were both talking about becoming VTSs in dentistry and just dentistry and how much they love dentistry and blah, you know. And so, again, that's fine if you like dentistry. I like dentistry. Sure. But for the most part, they were talking about what are they going to do for Pet Dental Month and what's going to happen in February and what's your clinic doing and what's our clinic doing in February and dental month and blah, blah, blah. And I just piped up and I was like, well, you know What? i'm gonna have a month i'm gonna yeah pain awareness month it's gonna be a thing you just wait and see we're gonna do it so it's gonna compete with dental month and pretty soon years from now when people think of september or they think of pain management awareness month they will like no this is a thing and we kind of laughed it off but you know i don't know if you guys know me like once a a, an idea kind of like sticks in uh I'm pretty tenacious with getting things done. And so really that night I went home and I had been a new member of the International Veterinary Academy of Pain Management. And I emailed their board of directors and I said, hey, here's the thing. These other academy, like they they have a month. Why don't we have a month? Could we potentially get this started? Um, You know, we can get it started. We can try to get AVMA recognition so everybody's official. And the IVAPM said, actually, that's a great idea, and can you help us put it out there? At the time, Anesthesia Nerds was a pretty newer group. Again, we're talking about 2015 when this all happened.
0: Okay, okay, yeah.
2: So it was a newer group. We kind of put it on the Anesthesia Nerds. We sent some information to the AVMA, and all of the members of the board and all the members of the IVAPM kind of blasted it everywhere, and we just started trying to get the word out. Within two years, it was officially recognized by the AVMA that September is Animal Pain Awareness Month. And now, if you search it, uh, and especially if you look at some of the industry magazines and media around August and September, you'll see that there are a whole whole mess of veterinary um, ac- academies and organizations and industry who are recognizing and celebrating Animal Pain Awareness Month
0: yeah so, and, and I love, I this, love Tasha, this Tasha too Tasha's because uh, viewfinders if you're listening closely I mean there's there's a lot of time that has to pass for these things to kind of gain momentum and we saw the same thing with pet obesity awareness day you know Tasha it took like four, five, six years and then finally people are like, oh I guess they're not gonna go away <laughs> you know and of course it's legitimate and and now go from 2015 to 2023 eight years later and it's actually a legit thing
2: it's a legit thing yeah it's really amazing to see it and i um with many things that i've been a part of i love like being there at the inception of an idea and seeing something whether that is you know animal pain awareness month or the veterinary anesthesia nerds or you know this book that the three of us are trying to write right now i love kind of being there and then watching this as it comes um I am definitely not one for like I don't need like instant gratification. I'm here to play the long game, Uh right, right, and yeah, I really enjoy important. that.
1: Yeah. That's why you like anesthesia. That's why I hate surgery. I'm here. <laughs> for, <laughs> I need that immediate gratification. I'm here for the parasites. I'm here for the dental cleanings. Even you, I. It is not me. But Tash, I'm I'm interested. Was anesthesia nerds before or after Pain Awareness Month, and? I mean, I just want to give you such a shout out there because you have a huge, I don't even know, I'm sure you might, I shouldn't say I'm sure, I would assume you know the numbers, you're like well over 10,000 followers (laughs) on Anesthesia Nerds, right? And I mean, it is literally the go-to. I mean, it is so funny because we make fun of Dr. Google, but I'm like, yeah, and if you have an anesthesia question, you're going straight to Facebook. You're going straight to Anesthesia Nerds and you're running this. You've created this amazing camaraderie. People check in on cases that went wrong and just need the affirmation that things, they didn't do anything wrong. They have cases that they're stressed about the next day and there's a plethora of information to help them. What came first, first of all,
2: Sure. So Veterinary Anesthesia Nerds was born earlier. Um, it was actually right after my son was born in 2011. And I was home on maternity leave. And I was like rocking him one night. And I honestly really missed being in the clinic. I missed talking to people about anesthesia. Uh, and I missed the whole thing. And I thought, you know what, it would be really nice if I just had like a network, you know, just like a group chat, uh, if you have an anesthesia question. And at the time, I knew quite a bit of anesthesia technicians and anesthesiologists, and I thought, let's all just get on a Facebook group. That's easier than a group chat, right? So I made a Facebook group. It had 11 people in it to start. People like Jamie Gaynor and Tammy Grubb, Stephen Sattal, Darcy Palmer, um, like these were the initial people. And we just thought, let's bounce cases off each other. Let's, you know, hey, have you tried this new drug? Have you tried this new treatment? We can ask, you know, get the group feel, which I love, right? That's how I do a lot of my own learning. And I, it, it just grew really organically where somebody at work was like, I have a question about anesthesia. I was like, oh, you should just join our group. Um, or if I went out and lectured somewhere and somebody said, well, where can I find this information? Oh, you should join our group. And some of the anesthesiologists would just let, you know, they would bring people in and like, oh, my other anesthesiologist friend wants to join. Like, can we get people in? And it grew and it grew. Within a couple years, it was at 12,000 people when it was at 12,000 people. And again, just to give people if they're not on Facebook and Anesthesia Nerds. Anesthesia Nerds is a Facebook-based group that talks about nothing but anesthesia and pain management. We are also very particular about who we let into the group. That's not to say we are trying to be super exclusive, but this is not a group for um, breeders or pet owners or even industry professionals or salespeople. This really is, we want it to be that you're on the floor working you know, participating in anesthesia and pain management most of the time. That's why when we do job uh, ads on anesthesia nerds, like in order to put a job ad on anesthesia nerds, the job has to be 75% of its time in anesthesia, right? This is, we only want to talk about anesthesia and pain management. So when it got to about 12,000 people, because again, I am going through and approving all of the posts I'm reading through, do they make sense? Also, we're very big on everybody's here to learn. So everybody has to be treated with respect. So I would pour through the comments at night to make sure there was no um, nothing inflammatory. There was no bullying going on, as sometimes happens on social media. All of these, you know, would get treated and deleted. So it was a lot of work when it got to 12,000 people. Yeah. So I approached Darcy and Steven, again, both VTSs and both fantastically, you know, just smart, brilliant people in their own right. And I said, hey, would you like to help be administrators of this group? You will get paid nothing and it will take up a lot of your time. Sometimes it'll be really frustrating, but it's for the greater good. <laughs> Sounds right
1: up a vet tech's alley. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> and thankfully, thankfully, they said yes, uh, because they were fans of the the page and they they understood what a good resource it could be. So Darcy and Stephen came on board, I think, in 2013, 2014. Uh, since then, we are the largest, like, you know, um, private or closed Facebook group uh, in veterinary medicine. We have about 70,000 members now oh around gosh. the world. It literally said 10,000. I feel like the biggest ass. That's okay. Hey, man. 70,000. <laughs> yeah. So we have, a, we got a lot of people um, and I am really proud of it. Listen, I'm really proud of a lot of things. I'm proud of helping to create Animal Pain Awareness Month. I'm proud to bring something into the world, even though it's Facebook-based, which we're working on, uh, getting off of Facebook. Um, but it, I'm proud that we have built this community where there isn't judgment. We do realize that people are scared when it comes to anesthesia, that people want to know that they're doing the best that they can for the patients in their care and that everybody is here to learn. Whether you're just graduated tech school or you've been in this game for 12 years or, you know, 17 years in my case, you're, you're always learning something. There's always a new technique, a new drug. There's always some way that you haven't done things before that you can learn from. And everybody... Approaches it that way in the group. And I think that's why we've built such a really great community. There really is no judgment. Like, we're not here to judge. We're here to make things better for our patients overall.
0: Yeah and and I'll you know, again congratulate you. you've done a a fantastic job of kind of policing that space because like you said a lot of people are reticent to ever ask a question for fear not only of judgment but being you know making a mistake and oh my gosh you know the ramifications there so you've done a fantastic job. Let's get back to animal pain awareness month and and speaking of education it seems like this year your primary message out there has to do with pain's impacts on appetite. I mean, I know you've got several different, you know, resources and things you can share on your Instagram, and we'll have links, uh, viewfinders in in the show notes below. But tell us a little bit about how you're raising awareness of some of the subtle signs of pain and why that's so important, especially with its impact on appetite.
2: Certainly. I mean, there is a lot of ways that pain can show up, right? And some of these things are that the animal just may not be as interested in dinner or, they're all of a sudden interested in different types of foods, right? Right, Either they again, this could be anything from oral pain. So we have a tooth that's highly infected. And now the animal goes from eating its kibble to, well, now he's only taking like softer treats or cheese or, or something like that. Um, or again, like abdominal pain, which shows up and animals are just feeling punky. And, you know, you know, if you've ever been like nauseous, you, you, you're not interested in this dinner. So we're right, seeing right. like abdominal pain and like cats or rabbits, they're just not interested in eating dinner. And then, you know, certainly oral pain as well. A nice thing about the IVAPM and getting together with the IVAPM to create this movement is that IVAPM has created resources on their page. You know, if you go to IVAPM.org, you can go to the tab that says Animal Pain Awareness Month. And there are a whole host of posters and downloadable items that you can use. Not only do they have like posters, full color posters you can print out and put in your clinic and in your rooms, but also they have digital and social media graphics. So if you're you want to, you know, for your clinic, you want to do a pain awareness campaign in September, they have a bunch of Instagram uh, templates there that you can use. So their media and marketing is really nice for this. Um, Again, I put a throwback on my own because the first, the first poster that we ever did, again, it was very homegrown, but uh, my sister's a Uh, A graphic designer and I was just like, hey, can you make us a poster really quick for this? And now it's kind of morphed into having these like really amazing graphics and all of these things for people. But it lets people know. And again, by people, I'm saying not only clients that come in, but also anybody who is in your clinic and might be reading it, that there are a lot of subtle signs that I think people just think like, oh, well, he's just not as he just didn't want to eat his dinner tonight. But if that continues, we want to know. Other things, right? Like for cats, a big one for me, for our cat, is that our cats get fed up on the counter. Okay, Mm -hmm. judge me if you want. Okay, guys. Uh, But our cats get fed up on the counter. Like one of the big things for cats, especially in chronic osteoarthritis pain, is reluctance to jump onto surfaces. So I know my cats sleep in bed with me. They jump up onto the counter for dinner. When they stop doing that, that's a like sign to me okay, maybe we need to get those hips and those knees and elbows checked out. Like maybe they're experiencing some osteoarthritis. So reluctance to jump off onto surfaces for cats is a really big thing. So, you know, appetite, uh, decreased activity. If dogs usually sleep upstairs in bed with you, but all of a sudden they really don't want to go up the stairs or they just stop at the end of the stairs and they stare upwards, they're kind of uncomfortable going up, that can be a sign of pain. So there's a lot of the things in the IVAPM resources that give clients really practical information on signs of pain they should be on the lookout for
0: yeah, yeah a- excellent, excellent excellent resources for sure check it out uh, and we'll have all the show the links in the show notes uh, also you know uh, Tasha while I've got you here as an expert in, in pain management I mean we're about to see a complete transformation and sea change in the way we treat pain in animals right I mean the we now are beginning the era of monoclonal antibody pain <laughs> treatments right I mean, this it's is amazing. it's amazing I mean we've just had the first one approved in cat silencia now we've got the dog version uh, finally approved here in the U.S. a couple of years after Europe uh, we've seen fantastic results over there. Talk to us a little bit about how do you, how what, what is the impetus here to also raise awareness of vets, to, to vets rather, on these newer modalities, right? I mean, that should be part of, uh, I guess, your message, is it?
2: Oh, yes. Uh, I think with everything pain management and anesthesia-wise, it really comes down to not doing everything cookie cutter, right? The way right. that we used to do where everybody got the same anesthetic protocol and every patient just got this said, We know now that every patient is going to react to things individually, just the same way that people do, right? And we also know that multimodal is the key. So really we want to get multimodal. And when we talk about either acute pain management or chronic pain management, there are multimodal tools. So I think that that's really what we want to open everybody up to is that, yes, NSAIDs are great. And for acute pain, they work really well. But when I'm dealing with chronic pain, what are my options, right? Silencia has come on uh let me see. Let me see if I can remember Salencia. Fronavetimab uh, is the drug name. But that injection has come on and has been a game changer, especially for oh, yeah. cats yeah. with osteoarthritis. Amazing. But again, there's other things. We can do things that aren't pharmacologically Tied right? We can do things like physical therapy. We can teach owners how to do warm or cold compress. We can teach owners how to do passive range of motion or massage therapy techniques. So it's really about opening up the whole, like there are so many things that we can offer to pet owners to keep their pets as comfortable as possible, whether they're dealing with acute pain or chronic pain.
0: Love it. And and Tasha, also while you're here, because I know you're often involved in these discussions at high levels and, and you know we try to talk about a lot, the role of veterinary technicians in pain management. Maybe speak to a little bit of that. I mean, obviously, we're kind of also in this uh, time of tension. There's been a lot of discussion and a lot of controversy from the AVMA and Navda and you know, just scope of practice. I mean, you know all the controversies are out there, but maybe give us your take on the role of registered credentialed veterinary technicians in pain management.
2: Yeah. So I actually talked about this at many conferences, and I think that there is a huge opportunity, right, for veterinary technicians to get involved, especially if veterinary technicians really, really love pain management. You can become what's called a CVPP or a certified veterinary uh, pain practitioner. So that means that you're going to be the pain management expert at your practice. So let's say you have a practice, one of your technicians is really interested in pain management. They go and they obtain their CVPP. Now what can they do with it? Well, there's a whole bunch of things, right? Now granted, uh, our veterinary technicians are not going to be able to surgerize, diagnose, prognose or prescribe, but anything outside of those four things, your veterinary technician should be doing. So that means any post-operative acute pain follow-up, your veterinary technician should be taking those follow-up calls. Yep. Additionally, if you have animals that have identified as having chronic or osteoarthritis pain, they should be set up with an initial consult with that CBPP or with your veterinary technician. They're going to go through a whole um, chronic pain checklist and then they're going to go over the results of that. This is something that once the client has had an initial consultation with the technician technician can take that to the doctor doctor can and technician together can write out a treatment plan right or prescribe a treatment plan technician then takes that back to the client, helps to facilitate that, then fills the prescription, set up physical rehab, maybe even is the one doing the passive range of motion exercises with the client, is the one doing all of the follow-up calls with that client. So for instance, when I worked in the general practice and I functioned in pain management, half of my time was spent in anesthesia, the other half was spent in pain management with a rehab doctor. The rehab doctor was seeing some of those appointments, but I was seeing a lot of those appointments as well. I'm doing a lot of the follow-up. I am keeping up with them and write, writing in their chart whether or not, yes, this patient is responding well to hydrotherapy or this patient has had this amount of weight loss and or you know this patient is vomiting on the NSAIDs. We need to go back to the drawing board all of that client communication and follow-up, and then even some of the hands-on appointments are done with the veterinary technician. There's a huge, huge amount of tasks, not only pain management related, all across the veterinary clinic that we should be delegating out and letting our veterinary technicians do the job they were trained for. You know, I go into some clinics and if I go into your clinic and I'm seeing that the veterinarian is the one doing all of the intubation, placing all of the catheters, right? Like, There's a problem there. You're not going to be as efficient as possible. You're not going to see and treat as many patients as as you could. Uh, And honestly, the quality of your medicine can go down if you're trying to do all of these things. You don't need to do all of these things. Your, Your certified veterinary technicians have been trained in this. Let us do the job we're trained in. Again, we have a lot of data to show that better engaged veterinary technicians are going to stay at your practice longer, feel a sense of purpose, better patient care overall. It's a win for everybody.
1: I'm curious. Um, so I'm thinking two things. And and it, one of my... Uh, I always do this to our guests, sorry, because I get excited. So I kind of have two questions because one of them is, what are the biggest mistakes you see in utilization of technicians and practices? You just named a bunch of them, and it's not the topic of the podcast, so... <laughs> Back burner that, what are the (laughs) biggest mistakes you're seeing in pain management in clinics, and where can the technicians and veterinarians get in front of that, do a better job? Like if you had to say these are the top three mistakes most of you are making.
2: Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to say mistakes again, because I want to assume that everyone has good intent and these are just, you know, opportunities for growth. I like to call them. Sure. Fair. Yeah. So I'll call them um, mistakes. You yeah. be. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I've done a lot of work with my therapist on this in veterinary medicine. Okay. Um, so I like to think that people have good intent, but we all get stuck in a rut. And I think that's probably the biggest thing is that fear holds us back from trying a new therapy, whether it be the silencia or again, CBD, right? Things like that. I would say that fear. So I really want to encourage one of the bigger mistakes is just step outside of that. Take the time, which again, I know is hard because you're trying to see so many patients. I mean, I I hear about people having only like 15 minute appointment times. You're trying to do a lot again. Give that to your veterinary technicians. Say, hey, we want to do better with pain management. I'm curious about CBD. Can you do some research for me and bring it to the next staff meeting? Get educated. That's the biggest thing. So join the veterinary anesthesia nerds. Get some education. Go to the IVAPM. Get some education. Read up on these new techniques. If you decide, hey, I think we should be better at post, like just pick one thing, post-operative pain management and implementing a pain scoring system, Hey, head veterinary technician, can you please research some of these pain scoring systems, present them to the next staff meeting, and let's decide which pain scoring system is going to work for our clinic, and let's implement it. So pain scoring post-operative, that's another big one. Just getting educated, that's a big one. And then stepping out of the we've always done it this way. I mean, we're guilty of that with so many things, and just because we don't love change, right? Um Again, unless you're a weirdo like me and who would prefer to like move houses every two years. But again, separate <laughs> conversation. <laughs> I love change because I'm a constant learner. I want to learn something new and fresh and exciting. So I think it's really just getting out of our own way in this, like, we're, we're so busy. So just give them the Rimadyl, or again, yeah. nothing against Rimadyl; It's fantastic. But instead of just saying like, Oh, well, you know what? Just write them the script for Rimadyl. How about you no, know, let's take the time to do a follow up conversation with the owner, find out, is this rumidil actually doing the job that we need it to do? Where is our chronic pain at? Are we scoring with a a validated chronic pain scoring system instead of an acute chronic or an acute pain system? Right. It's just getting that education and sitting down and taking the time with your staff to say, we are going to make this a priority. Hey, technicians, can you do some research? Bring it back and we're going to go forward all together as a team and make this a priority.
0: Gosh, Tasha, I love your list. And the only thing I would add that I see, and I'd love to get your comments, I, I, I feel too often that veterinarians are a little too tepid with their pain management. And I would argue in a lot of ways, a lot of their medicine, they just kind of hold back a little bit. I think with pain, you really owe it to your patient to be as aggressive as possible. And sometimes I see vets kind of like really, you know, being chintzy on the dosing and the frequency and all that kind of stuff. Do you, do you see issues like that also?
2: Oh, 100%. Don't, don't let's not get started on okay, okay. buprenorphine <laughs> dosing in cats. Right, right, exactly. Like yeah, yeah. The buprenorphine dosing that we see where people are just giving these like little weenie doses of buprenorphine yes, and yeah. I'm like, okay, and the studies are showing that we need to have a certain amount of buprenorphine in order to get the effects that we want.
0: Yeah, it's a wasted waste. effort. It, it's I it's waste. I, 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 I so, totally
2: agree. 100%. And I see this, we see this with a lot of things, right? We see this with anesthesia too, right? I right. didn't want to give a local block because either they're not trained in it or they're just scared or don't know the side effects. Again, we're doing our patients a disservice if you don't. Take the time to go research and get the education. And if you yourself as the veterinarian don't have the time to do it, assign one of your certified technicians. Send them to the CE to go learn about CBD and alternate therapies. Send them to the CE to learn about regional anesthesia, which, again, as far as pain management goes and acute pain, is a game changer, right? Make it a team effort.
0: (laughs) Right. And we're only about 30 years behind human medicine. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, Becky, what else have you got here while we wrap up our conversation with Tasha today?
1: I'm, like, reflecting so hard on the way that we do a disservice to our patients because of our own fear like that really hit me I don't yeah. think that it, it's like something that like didn't occur to me but I think when you really say it like that I don't know I, I'm gonna spend some time with that and I hope our listeners do too um that if our our vow is to first do no harm right I think that knowing that something is in pain but letting fear, kind of get in our way to let them sort of ride it out, knowing that it will eventually subside is, um, in a uncomfortable, comfortable space we've lived in in too long. And the advocating that you're doing, you know, um, I'm a visual person and I think about ripples and I just think about like, actually when you see those like movie comets hit the earth and then the ripples rock the whole world. And I really think that's what you're doing, Tosh. I really do. Um, if you could walk into a clinic today and get rid of three common practices and just like, just wave your vet med wand and I don't know, tramadol comes off the shelf. What would the three things be that like, I love the wait, sorry. First, I love what you said about just pick one thing. Um, maybe, okay, I'm going to say this instead. What are the three biggest misconceptions or myths you're battling out there, especially on anesthesia nerds um, and in pain management today? What are those three biggest myths you want everybody to just get out of their head?
2: Yeah. So uh, I think one of the biggest myths is that, um, I'll, I'll use Tramadol as an example, is that Tramadol went uh, in in favor, out of favor. Um, and I think that people just decide like, oh, Tramadol, that's bad. Or, you know, we just label something as like bad. But yeah, yeah. if you look at studies, again, if you can get Tramadol into cats, Tramadol is actually very efficacious as an analgesic in cats. Now, the bitch is getting it into a cat, <laughs> right? Because it is yeah. not a good just time. A bit. <laughs> so the again, yes, this thing may work, but is it practical? I think yeah. that's another thing too, is that we read these studies and we're like, oh, this may you know, this shows this. Remember, these are controlled studies and these are not your cat hissing at you underneath the bed as you try to put a pill down its throat. So just also, let's be practical with what can owners actually accomplish with some of these analgesics, right? Yeah, Can they actually give the medication the way it's intended to give the way you sent it home? That's one thing I would wave my magic wand is like, instead of just sending uh, analgesics post-surgery home with a client you have a talk with that client hey can you peel your cat can you give your cat this oral transfucosal buprenorphine because let me tell you when you come back two weeks from now and you tell me oh yeah i gave the buprenex. i just squirted it into his food no right so we have to make sure that owners can actually give the medication in the way that they are intended to get the effects that we want Another thing that I'm going to wave my magic wand is, again, that people would get educated about the role of drugs like CBD and their role. Because I still go out and I hear people saying, oh, there's no evidence. There's no evidence. Dude, we actually have a lot of evidence to show, especially when we're talking about chronic pain, um, that these products do make a difference. Now, again, yeah. I would encourage you to go get educated and talk with an expert to make sure you're getting a CBD product that has the, you know, the certificate of um, efficacy. I think it is like make sure that you're getting something reputable. We're not getting a product, you know, from Seven Eleven that says, you know, dog CBD or something kooky like that, because there's definitely a lot of money that people are making out there with some unreliable products. Again, just get educated, read the studies, read through that. So CBD is another one I think has a lot of potential, but people are still scared of it. There's a negative connotation. They just assume there's no evidence. There's lots of evidence. And I think probably the last one that I would say, like if I could go in and make and like have all clinics or like, you know myths and try to get them to understand, is that cats in pain, they're telling you that they're in pain. Now, they're not overly vocal, but if you guys at your staff sit down and dedicate one staff meeting, just one, one staff meeting to going over the feline grimace scale and all of the things within the feline grimace scale. Again, eye position, ear position, whisker position, body position. If you learn these signs, you will recognize and pick up pain in hospitalized or post-op cats much, much faster, and you will be able to treat that pain much faster. So the feline grimace scale has been a game changer, especially for me if I'm like on an ICU shift or monitoring those cats post-operatively i can very uh, very easily know if my dose of buprenorphine is correct <laughs> by looking at the signs that they're giving me and again that that has been that system has been validated it's really amazing so that's kind of like my third you know get everybody on board with the feline grimace scale
0: Yeah. And guys, there's an app that's using AI to actually you take a picture of the cat and it tells you where they are on the grimace scale. So there's amazing advancements. Tasha McNerney, anesthesia nerds. But more importantly, we're here talking about September is Animal Pain Awareness Month. You can visit IAVPM.org. We'll have all the links below in the show notes. Tasha, thank you again for making such a positive difference in our world. I can't thank you enough.
2: Yeah. Right back at you guys. Thank you so much for everything you're doing.
0: Guys, uh, what do you think about Pain Awareness Month? Are you guys celebrating? If you've visited the IVAPM.org website to download your Instagram and Facebook shareables and your posters and all that stuff, if not, why not go ahead and do it because this month you can actually make an impact in the lives of your patients. Becky, if they want to tell us what they think about Pain Awareness Month, where can they tell us?
1: You can find us on Facebook and Instagram, uh, and as always, we take complaints over at the actual Anesthesia Nerds podcast. Tosh, where can they? We can uh, complaints go to you?
2: <laughs> sure, you can find us on uh, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcast, and we are the Veterinary Anesthesia Nerds podcast
0: love it guys until next week we can't wait to see what you are doing for animal pain awareness thanks again tasha we will talk to you next week bye
2: bye okay bye guys